joke off because apparently all the late night show hosts took on arming teachers as a topic. Oh my god, I'm gonna hate this. <laughs> I am so gonna hate this. Um, we all agreed though. By the way, we're just having a discussion. If you're gonna pick a teacher to arm, make it the uh, shop teacher. Oh yeah, because he's the- ready to pull the trigger. <laughs> Over anything. I told you to sweep up after using the lathe. Who didn't sweep up? He's missing four fingers and kids don't sweep up. He's been mad for a long time. <laughs> He's going to show up and pull the trigger. So let's see. Let's have a completely politically one-sided group of unfunny people make jokes about an incredibly serious topic. We just Why, made, that's going to be wonderful. We just made jokes about an incredibly serious topic. But we're skilled. <laughs> we got skills. Mad skills. Um, oh, wait. wait yeah. Okay. I, okay. Okay. Listen. I am willing to trust a jury of my peers because I love America. When this is done, tell me whether you hated it or not. <laughs> Okay. okay, here we go. Plus, I'll be keeping score, and the highest-rated person you should watch, the lowest-rated, should be banned from the business. If we can wait to get a, get that around the First Amendment. Sean, the late... Trump said he, but he said he said he wants to arm, quote, gun-adept teachers with military or special training experience. Is that what we need? Former Navy SEALs teaching kindergartners how to finger-paint camouflage on their faces. <laughs> Yes, just arm the teachers. I'm sure it's in the school budget. Sorry your school can't afford enough copies of To Kill a Mockingbird, but good news, we're giving something that can kill any bird. For years, teachers have been asking for more pay, and politicians have said they don't have enough money, but now the president's like, uh, if you're willing to cap some fools, we're going to make it rain. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I laughed twice. I didn't expect to, and I laughed twice. Well, okay, I admit it. I didn't hate it. <laughs> Corden initially a B minus for his joke, but a full point off for being a foreigner. C minus. <laughs> Don't joke about our critical issues. I thought the finger paint camouflage on their faces was very funny. This pains me, but this just goes to show my hallmark is fairness. Colbert, who I can't stand, with an A minus for a pretty funny joke. <laughs> Can kill any bird. An old what's-his-name from The Daily Show, a D. Trevor Noah. He's rarely funny. The funding thing is uh, is not a non-issue. I mean, uh, we are talking about something that's going to be really expensive. And, uh, you know, once again, it's important, so we got to do it. Okay, I agree. But we're going broke. <laughs> so Got to have again, a Safe Schools Initiative fundraiser. Pancake breakfast. Barn dance. Raise the money privately. Pence said yesterday at the CPAC, uh, making schools safe is our number one, our nation's number one priority. And I thought, wow, really? I mean, you, you can't make everything the number one priority. It's it's not the way lists. Then nothing is the number that's one priority. Not the way right. lists work. Yeah, I and, understand. It's politics, though. He uh, has I just to say that. Does he have to say that? I think he does. I mean, because the war on terror was our number one priority for a long time, and. Kind of thought it was still. And uh, we've spent trillions of dollars on that. If mm-hmm. schools, protecting schools is now the number one priority, are we looking at trillions of dollars? or uh, how, how does that work? 
And uh, the number of people testified in the last week or so that our that our deficit, our growing deficit, is the number one threat to America. Right. But so which it is. But that's behind the schools thing. Yeah. Well, okay. At some point, you do have to deal with these things. For fans of unsolvable riddles, uh, we'll have Laura Logan talking about Syria uh, next oh, hour. For man. those of you who get the award-winning fourth hour of the program, man, you want. You want reality on a Friday morning? No, Jack, I don't. No, nobody I, wants that's, that. That's, well, stay tuned. <laughs> you want the reality of the world, though, that bad things can do really bad. Bad people can do really bad things to other people, and the world's going to say, eh, I got my own problems. Mm-hmm. That is just the fact of the matter. Always has been. Always has been. Always will be, apparently. Yeah. And anybody who says never again is a sap. Probably a well-meaning sap. It's virtue signaling. But a sap. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to get into this, the notes Donald Trump was holding in his hand um, at the meeting with the students and teachers? Is it fair to get into this? I would like to hear it balanced with a, a statement, please, that it was a very useful session. I think it, I love Trump and his open discussions with the cameras rolling. Love that. Well, if you had the election today between Trump and Hillary, he'd still win, according to any... Any polls, so right, and I and I would agree with that outcome. Well, anyway, this is it was just kind of interesting, and it seems to be true. Um, the New York Times points out that President Trump never uttered these words, which was very fair of the New York Times to say. Uh-huh. So, did it have any effect? But President Trump, while he was sitting there listening to these these kids talk about what it was like to be in the school, listening to these parents talking about their dead kids, I mean, that's some tough stuff. I thought he did a really good job with that, but yes. But he held in his hand a, a, a sheet of paper. It says White House at the top. It's White House stationery. And um, and the writing was the handwriting was big enough that you could read it if you zoomed in on the camera. And it said number one with a little circle around it. It says, what would you most want me to know about your experience? Then you can't read the rest of the next one. It says, what can we do something help you feel something? Because his hands are covering it up. And then the very last one, point number five, says, I hear you. It would appear to be notes that he had with him to remind him to say those things or think those things. As the New York Times mm-hmm. pointed out, he never said those phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of odd that you would have a sheet of paper with something on there like. You know, it's kind of odd that. Either Trump or somebody close to him thought he needed that because well, that's he famously I mean. likes people to tell him what they think. He likes a bunch of opinions thrown at him in business and, and in the presidency. So I, I don't quite get what was going on there. It's Maybe somebody just wanted to remember that the most important thing is, is that people feel like they're being heard. But they're there at the White House talking to the president. I'm mystified by the whole thing. And I'm listen, I've been harsh against Trump, but I feel no need to to mock him just for, you know, the jollies of it. I think it might be more I don't know, cuz I don't know him, but it's certainly a failure of I think of whoever put those questions on that paper, whoever wrote down those questions or comments or priorities. Yeah, the, the whoever wrote down those those points. Yeah. Um Stod. Uh, I think you're treating him you're in, infantilizing him. Yes. Or something. Yeah. I mean, what's he going to say? Shut up. Or, I'm not hearing that. (laughs) It's just odd. I don't know. I'm mystified by it. So, uh, Canada humiliated over and over again at the Olympics. I make a lot of jokes about Canada. I love Canada. Canada's awesome. 
I like Canadians. I don't like your politics up there. I think y'all are are committing horrible crimes against the First Amendment. Um, again, I'm sorry about the principle of the freedom of speech and free exchange of ideas in the name of some sort of terrible, ugly, naive utopianism. On the other hand, I've traveled hundreds, thousands of miles across Canada. I love Canada. To get from one town to another in Canada, you have to travel thousands is, of miles. Which is perfect for me, and it's all beautiful in between. Oh my God, I love Canada. I'd like to be in Canada right now. Having said that, your prime minister is a putz. <laughs> pretty, pretty. Canadian prime minister Justin Trudeau. Normally, now an absolute darling of the Western media, is getting the hell beat out of him for his trip to India that has included, now I'll quote from Business Insider, cultural fashion and political blunders at every turn. First of all, the Prime Minister, Modi, who's a real social media guy, he did not make any posts welcoming Trudeau, who was greeted at the uh, off his airplane by a low-level agricultural minister. Oof. On Tuesday, Trudeau's wife, Sophie... Posed, well, you're a country of one point something billion people, and the leader of a country of 35 million people showed up. So yeah, but just it's Canada. Think, doesn't everybody like Canada? America's hat. Right. On Tuesday, Trudeau's wife, Sophie, posed for a photo with Jaspal Atwal, a Sikh separatist who was once convicted of trying to assassinate an Indian politician. Then, back in Canada... Trudeau's Liberal Party has ties to the Sikh community in Canada, and when Outlook India Magazine pointed this out, Trudeau disinvited them from a dinner. Wouldn't let him show up. The magazine wrote, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau fed the world over as the new face of liberalism seemed to find it difficult to accommodate critical media coverage. And then there was the clothing. I haven't seen it yet. Do you have the picture? I have many pictures. I want to see it. There he is with his whole family, wearing traditional Indian garb, putting their hands together in the traditional Indian thanks-a-million pose, or whatever. Uh, that, prominent that, Indian... Yes? That looks pretty silly. Prominent Indian personalities express their distaste, with India Today calling it tacky. Trudeau showed up at an event full of Bollywood stars in full traditional dress, while the movie stars themselves wore suits. Regular clothes. Regular clothes. <laughs> On social media, popular Indian personalities put it more bluntly, calling for Trudeau, quote, to have some chill and call his outfit choices fake and annoying. <laughs> God, I would never do that as a politician, put on the, the local garb. Conservative Party leader Andrew Scheer back in Canada said, I don't know if Justin Trudeau thinks that international trade missions are reality TV shows, but they're not. On CTV, major Canadian news broadcaster, host said, if this is Trudeau putting Canada back on the world stage, we should get off it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, he looks like such a dum-dum. And that, in the 48-hour period that the Canadians lost both the gold in men's hockey and women's hockey. And curling. And curling to the Americans. That's pretty tough. Sport that only a Canadian would... Well, no, I shouldn't say that. We got the gold medal. Obviously, it's going to become the new American craze. So, uh, the president got to the part of his speech today where he talks about uh, armed security people or something at schools. We'll play that for you, I guess. 
see okay. what he said and how the CPAC crowd re, uh, reacted? Because this this might be the thing. I mean, people have been screaming for a long time after these school shootings. we got to do something different. This might be the something different we're going to do. Uh, one way or another. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Trying to be a naysayer, just trying to look at all the angles of this. Um, who's getting guns? How are we going to decide who they get them? All that sort of stuff. And boy, you start uh, having somebody. If, if teachers are going to have the guns, which is some proposals, um, some teachers, sure, some teachers, right? Mm-hmm. End of the first year, that guaranteed report comes out that says. Seventy-five percent of the teachers who have guns are male. That's that's not fair. No oh, god, or white really? male, oh, or, no. or I whatever. I won't live in that world. And then there's just a big outcry for for evening it out. And then all of You'll a sudden, you find me in the woods wearing a loincloth because I will not be able to take that. You're probably right. Oh, for the love of God! Boy, I wonder. We've gone insane. And and is it doable from an insurance standpoint? A lot of the stuff that happens or doesn't happen at schools is be just because of the insurance situation? And lawsuit uh, risk, yeah. The, is the federal yeah. government going to have to uh, write some legislation about you can't sue the school over this or something? Um, oh, my God. To even yeah. be able to make it happen? You're making me want to not be alive, but you're right. Oh, you're yeah. absolutely right. That will be a major issue. I'm the last person to try to shut things down over liability concerns. God, I hate that sort oh, of I thinking. I know. But, yeah, the, so the shop teacher, <clears throat> good guy, lots of training, everything. He's the guy on campus. He's the he's the air marshal for the school. Right. He's got a gun. School shooter comes on campus. He shoots a school sh- shooter, misses, hits another kid. Which is entirely possible if you're the best trained person in America. Right. Then what's the liability situation with that? I don't know. I have no idea. I hope they can work that out. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Complicated. Complicated. It's like somebody somebody wanted to come on our property and do some sort of because uh, we have we have several big buildings. Like my wife does classes and stuff in this one big building and jujitsu mostly. <laughs> and. Uh, and somebody asked if she, if she could come do the class there, and you you would think you could say yes because we got tables and chairs and a projector and a screen and everything you need and coffee maker and blah blah blah. Beautiful, but you can't because our home insurance people would dump us if we did that. Oh boy! So you can't. That's that's the world we live in. That's the America we've created. All of us. You're making me hate life. Why, why are you doing? <laughs> How about this idea? Jew jujitsu. Where you would study the Torah, then do martial arts. <laughs> Jew jujitsu? You think that would sell? Hmm. I don't That'd know. Be a narrow audience. But. Well, <laughs> but loyal. <laughs> We're approaching the specialized economy. You know, you got to find those niche, niche right. markets. You can reach out on the interwebs. You know, people who travel all over. It'd become a craze. It'd be today's goat yoga for Jews. 
And, uh, you know, everybody get in shape and learn a little more about, uh, you know, their holy books. <laughs> I don't see how you could be against that. So uh, does this have to be a federal thing or can you let schools decide? Like you got certain counties where everybody would be sure. I'm absolutely fine with the gym, the gym teacher or whoever having a gun. And in other counties where, no, the guns are bad always, and so we don't want any guns around here. And then you <sighs> kind of, like you do with other things in life, you decide whether you want to live there or there, and that works itself out. Yeah, I well, my point of view must be consistent, even though it's it's inconvenient to what I would like to see. I don't want to see a federal mandate. The more local the government, the more effective the government, and the more reflective of the will of the people who are being governed, which is supposed to be, you know, we the people govern ourselves. Uh, So, no, I hate national mandates. What's the argument against people who already have CCWs bringing their guns to school? What's the argument against that? Because they're all over the place where your kids are now with those guns. I've not heard a solid one. I mean, especially if if you were to add the caveat, okay, additional training, additional screening. I don't know. It's this. It's, there is a an element of progressivism that believes that passing more laws and and trusting the authorities more, and we can passive our way out of threats that. Fighting back is not an option because it's so unpalatable to certain personality types, which I get. A lot of people are born that way. It's not their fault. But it's, in my mind, wildly unrealistic. Um, We got this. This is from a former... If you want to stop a bad guy with a gun, have a good guy with a gun. Or, okay. or you know what? Keep the, hands out of the, the gun out of the hands of the bad guy. I recognize there's absolutely a value in that. If you can do it in a way that scores with the Constitution and doesn't punish law-abiding people. This is from a retired police officer. Keep that in mind. Retired police officer and former high school principal here. And one thing you haven't spoken about. Wow, wait a minute. That's a pretty good set of qualifications. Yeah, you would think. We should probably get him on the phone. Yeah. Uh, One thing you haven't spoken about and no one has spoken about is that many police officers are killed with their own gun and they're trained. Think about a large student and a small female teacher armed. How easy it would be for that student to disarm the teacher and use the gun on them or other people. In what scenario? I don't know. Because the gun would only come out of the safe... Is that the way you picture it? Oh, yeah. Biometric safes. Yeah. Not, I mean, not the CCW person just having it in their jacket or whatever? Conceivably. I'm not ruling that out if they're very carefully screened and trained, but no, I'm picturing it in biometric safe where you need a fingerprint to open it up in an emergency only. I mean, it, it, I would, there are not a lot of people grabbing fire axes and going crazy with them, but they're in a lot of buildings. Hmm. Way to put that in somebody's mind. Sorry. I'd like to be making jokes about jujitsu, but it's nonstop tragedy here on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So you read the first five books of the Old Testament and learn how to throw somebody over your head. Right. Right. It's the spiritual and the physical. And jujitsu. Well, and there would be others. You know, I don't know. Jujudo, for example. <laughs> well, right. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Trump at CPAC zeroing in on school safety. Story coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. Good, Marshall. Yeah, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. The Elk Grove. I 
can't be stopped. I have no intention of talking about this all morning, but I can't be stopped. One thing that hasn't been mentioned should be um, almost all of these politicians, because they're super wealthy, send their kids to private schools that have armed guards on campus. Mm. Almost all of them, including a lot of them who say, more guns on campus, that could that solve the problem? While their kid goes to a school right. that has armed guards on campus because it's a super expensive school. Mm-hmm. Almost all of them. Well, and I'd like to point out that I'll also be offering Catholic Spenics. Exercise for Catholics and Presbyteriobics. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do treadmills, uh, spinning, that sort of thing. Spinning. Aerobics for Presbyterians. <laughs> Along with Jew Jiu-Jitsu, <laughs> where we study the Torah right. and learn martial arts. Mm, I like it. Thank you. I just think the spiritual and the physical are important. Sure. Let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Uh, President Trump getting a rousing reception from conservatives at the annual CPAC summit going on in Maryland this morning. One subject the president spent quite a bit of time talking about, how to prevent any more school shootings, saying we've got to make our schools harder targets for attackers. Declaring our school's gun-free zones just puts students in far more danger. Well-trained. Gun-adept teachers and coaches and people that work in those buildings, people that were in the Marines for 20 years and retired, people in the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, people that are adept, adept with weaponry and with guns. They teach. Again, from saying only some of the teachers would be trained and armed. It's not all of them. Of course. But you would have a lot, and you would tell people that they're inside. And the beauty is it's concealed. Nobody would ever see it unless they needed it. It's concealed. So this crazy man who walked in wouldn't even know who it is that has it. That's good. It's not bad. That's good. You know, I actually... And a teacher would have shot the hell out of him before he knew what happened. All right. Now we're in a cowboy territory. Uh, I actually heard Steve uh, Hayes of the Weekly Standard finally tip his cap to the idea of the sociological issues in this. You know, I'm for hardening targets. I'm with the president on that. I'd choose different rhetoric. But um, this contagion of the idea that I'm mad, I don't fit in, what are the things I can do to express that? Now on the list is firmly shoot a bunch of people. That's a sociological phenomenon. It's a cultural thing. And it is reinforced and fueled by our nation's media. And finally, I heard Steve Hayes kind of tip his cap in that direction. Meekly is there talking about the other, uh, you know, more concrete things that could be done. If that is not part of the national conversation, we're wasting our time. I know. I wish I could get on some sort of uh, panel or something like that where they talk about this. Right. To get it out there to more people because I strongly believe this is the number one place to focus. Is on just the, uh, the, the contagion that is the idea of this. Right. And the media contributing to it. Some of the teachers that were asked this morning about all this, well, obviously they don't like the idea. This is not... You know, Stoneman Prison. This is this is a high school. While others, though, this welcome. is not what a prison. A this prison. is a high school. That's yeah. not That's our not argument, what it's, sir. It's not what it felt like when I was in high school. Erg. While others it felt say like a prison to me. While others say they welcome the plan. If I can carry a gun in school and um, protect anyone in my classroom, then I will. I would point out uh, I'm not in favor of carry. I think that's that. 
brings too many of the risks that we've discussed into, uh, you know, into play. I think it's got to be ready access, ready access to a secured weapon. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the uh, debate uh, certainly continues on and on. Who so, pays for air marshals? Is that just something that's factored into the taxpayer? I think it's the FAA, right? Or is for, it factored into the ticket price? Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, did, did the private did yeah. the pri- did, does United pay air marshals or is that the I, taxpayer? No, I remember back around nine yeah. eleven being surprised by how all that worked and how many of them are there. There's got to be a lot because there's a lot of freaking flights. I know they don't all have air marshals. No, you have them spread around enough that right. you'd think, well, maybe this flight would. So I'm not going to try to do anything. That and the cockpit doors being closed, of course. Yeah, but um. Somebody came up with the money for that. Did the government come up with the money for that? That'd be worth figuring out. Boy, there's a how many schools are there in America? There's a lot of schools. Oh Oh, hell yeah! So they are federal employees. So that would lead us to believe that they're right. Although I, you know, I think because you don't need a lot of trained people, secured weapons, gun safes, and weapons, etc. I'll bet you could get a lot of schools in America. Most hell, maybe all, on a voluntary basis. People who already have weapons and say, yeah, I'll put it in the gun safe at school and I'll be trained and blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure it would be that expensive. And the the liability thing's the paralyzing one to me that you brought up. And I don't know what the the proper terminology for this is, but there is some aspect of a shell game with this. That once you remove the gun-free zone from schools, not every school needs to be armed to the teeth to make it be a discouragement. That's much like the air marshal program. Yes, right, right, right. Quincy Jones apologizing for the numerous bombshells he has dropped in recent interviews. The famed record producer said that after the interviews, his six daughters took him aside for a family intervention to talk to him about the impact of his comments. I would think raising six daughters alone would make you keep your mouth shut. (laughs) I've raised two. Jones made a lot of claims during those interviews, including that he dated Ivanka Trump over a decade ago and that Michael Jackson stole a lot of the music he performed. Well, the they don't worst. want to give me credit for anything. I know, Michael. The worst thing he did is he decides when he's, you know, 80 years old, I'm going to go tell everybody what all my friends did when their sex lives 40 years ago. Yep. I mean, what, what I'm is that? Everybody's sexual proclivities without their permission. <laughs> what, what the hell is that move? Uh, Uncool, granddad. Yeah, Quincy, now 84 years old, is calling the interviews word vomit and says he's sorry to anyone he might have offended. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Conscience of the Nation. It's a bald Boy, eagle, ladies and Squawky just trained to a T, Marshall. Did you buy him trained or did you do that yourself? No, no, no. He, uh, hours and hours. Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, That's man. the screech of freedom he's, from that bald he's eagle. He's so well behaved, too. He never screeches except when we need him right. to. Just give him a little squeeze and he sque- screeches. <laughs> you that squeeze you him? Wait I think a minute. That's a federal crime. <laughs> a little squeeze. Eagle squeezer. <laughs> <laughs> Barbaric. <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah. got some good news from Tim the lawyer yesterday. He said, boy, you guys can sell books. Oh, got to hit you with that information coming up. Huh? I got to sell huh? one of me because he didn't give me one. <laughs> See, I bought the book. Uh-huh. I feel like my friends yeah. should make a living from yes. their efforts. Oh, boy. Why do we like charge it? him for this show? Huh? About what it's worth. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. Toyota's present.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. So a video has just come out of this um, Peterson guy. He's the the cop that was there at the school and did nothing. In Parkland, Florida, right. Um, A video has just come out of of him from a couple years ago uh, at a big meeting giving a speech about how important school resource officers are and how much crime they prevent. Wow. How it's money well spent, et cetera, et cetera. His boss says he uh, uh, was a disgrace. Well, it just adds a layer of irony to the sickening and disappointing that was already there. Four minutes he stood out there. That's a, that's a heck of a thing. Wow. Um, Laura Logan coming up. For those yeah, of how's you, that TV show of yours going? Uh, it's coming along, Laura. Thank you. I say we don't address that. I don't either. Yeah. No, she wants to bring it up. She can. Uh, she's a serious journalist. And we're going to talk about a serious topic. Syria is uh, got too much dark today. But, you know, there's dark things happening. Some awful things are happening in Syria. The world is ignoring it. It's, it's That's its own story, really. It just shows you where we still are as mankind. Same place we were before and will be in the future. But let's not all pretend something has changed. Right. Those of you who get the award-winning fourth hour of the Armstrong and Getty Show, Lara Logan. If not, grab the podcast. Where's the story? Oh, yeah, I got this story. So yesterday we have Tim the Lawyer on, Tim Sandifer, uh, who has written a book about Frederick Douglass. One of the most admirable humans I think I've ever heard of. Frederick Douglass. Tim, definitely in the top 100. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Tim. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, he sends me a text middle of the day and he says, and I quote, damn, you guys sell books. The Frederick Douglass book is now number 632 out of the 8 million books on Amazon. (laughs) There are 8 million books and he's number 632, uh, which he's very excited about. I said, number one, good for you. The book deserves it. I said, number two, good for us. That's going into our sales stats. (laughs) And I also said, I haven't read number 631, but I heard it sucks. (laughs) <laughs> and you're nipping in its heels, Timmy. Yeah, so good. We, we, we moved great. the needle on his book with well, a, one appearance on our show yesterday. Well, and I think, A, it supports Tim and what he does. B, it, it, more people know about Frederick Douglass, and I just uh, everybody wins. Yeah. So you're saying uh, orange cheese is perfectly natural and there's should be no- ingested in bulk. According to Popular Science, which I read as a kid, there's no such thing as... I used n- to read Unpopular Science. How to fix your compass, that sort of thing. <laughs> Nobody read it but me. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to lighten it up around I here. understand. God dang it. I understand. <laughs> According to popular science, there's no such thing as naturally orange cheese. <laughs> then where does that powder from my macaroni and cheese come from, Yeah, scientists? Well, as I've told you, Sean, I used to live downwind from the plant that made it, <laughs> and it didn't smell like food. There's no natural reason for some wheels of cheese to be bright orange. But somewhere along the line, dairy farmers discovered the importance of food coloring on perceived taste. And probably, somebody probably stood up and said there's no need to reinvent the wheel of cheese. It actually <laughs> goes... They were hooted down. <laughs> it actually goes back to the 1600s. Somebody figured out that if you make the cheese orange, people like it better. Really? And it's been around that long. How yeah. odd. Yeah. What the hell? Over time, the added coloring became a way to make your cheese stand out, and eventually certain products just became associated with being that color. And so we, and I do, I kind of have in my mind that cheddar if, if, cheese. If cheese is white, well, that that's weird. Why well, would it be white? I've eaten enough white cheddar at this point that I'm used to it, but 
So the 16th century, burning witches and making orange cheese <laughs> and exploring. Yeah. Uh, the color Sailing of- around looking for spices. Hmm. Uh, over time, che- there are some cheeses that have become traditionally orange, even though no cheese is naturally that color. Well, that's crazy. Well, and it's kind of how you separate the cheese. Like when I look in the fridge, do I want that? That's obviously the cheddar, the orange one. Mm, or do I want that one? Once it's unwrapped. What? That's a good point. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. you're right. It's a good point. Mm-hmm. Once you've unwrapped it, you got a bunch of blocks of white cheese. One's cheddar. One's Swiss. Well, that's got the holes in it. Thank you for that. One's uh, Monterey Jack. Mm-hmm. One's uh, Camembert. The other's Brie. I like cheese. Roqueford. Roqueford. Now that's a cheese. Stinky cheese. I like the stinky cheese. Boy, some really nasty blue cheese and a red wine. I tell you what. Tell you what. If I know my last meal is my last meal, that's what I'm having. I'm going to go out with bad breath and a buzz. <laughs> Blue cheese and wine would be your last meal? Mm. Probably throw in a little salmon in there, too. A cracker, too. No, yeah. Sorry, that's the wrong answer. Depending on my mood, I'll try not to think about why I'm... I'm going to haunt you. I'll try not to think about why I'm being executed, <laughs> since I'm not the sort of person that commits heinous crimes, but what scenario occurred that I'm now actually facing imminent death, but... Me? I've been caught by the Chinese government. Doing brave, brave spy work for my country. Yeah, I don't think about that one. I don't know if they give you a last meal, but so I don't think they'd hire me to do it. <laughs> depending on my mood, I could either go like Ruth's Chris Big Steak, mm, that'd one, be good, the one with the butter on top, or I could go Big Mac and fries, which I like a lot. I'd be a I'm pizza for really me. like, or a great pizza, a pa- really great pizza, Papa Dell's, Champagne, Illinois. Yeah, really great pizza could do it. You both oh lack my god, I'm so full I could die. <laughs> so you might as well execute me. <laughs> <laughs> Fat man walking. <laughs> huh? Fat? Who's, who's with me? Come on, lighten up, dude. Oh boy. <laughs> Y'all gonna have a cleanup after you do me because I am stuffed. <laughs> I'm about to explode now. Ha, ha, ha. What do you mean we lack imagination, Sean? <laughs> well, clearly the only correct answer to what would your last meal be would be the uh, the puffer fish. The, uh, the fish <laughs> that is deadly. Right, but it must be prepared by an expert, and if prepared properly, you get a delightful thing, the likes of which most have never experienced. <laughs> right. You get a nice little euphoric feeling because it's poisonous because you're supposed to get just enough of this drug to make you feel something. Oh, you get a little puffer high. Yeah, and if they mess it up, oh well, I just saved the state some money. Remember the Simpsons where Homer ate the puffer fish improperly prepared <laughs> and he thought he was going to die? Vaguely. And, and he decided he needed to get religious, so he listened to the Bible on tape as read by Larry King. <laughs> 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 oh boy that's beautiful oh god you gotta love the simpsons anyway mm. um so there you go i just i'm i'm tired i'm tired of the real world i'm tired of the real world yeah, and no. i hope to escape from it over the weekend uh for a little bit just just me and my my family that's all sick so i impugned impugned ross perot running yesterday how much time do we have michael very little right yeah 220 ross oh, perot oh, that's plenty of time ran for president in 1992 got about 20 percent of the vote and uh denied hw bush his second term bill clinton got elected almost certainly yeah because n- the majority of his vote came from bush some will dispute that but they're fools and should not anyway uh a really nice uh, note from aaron here and this is just a parlor game it's a, an exercise in imagination but uh, he says, for the sake of the argument, let's assume it's true if Pro hadn't won, Bush would have won. Um, 
One, there would have been no President Clinton. Sure, he could have come back in 96, but that's unlikely. It would have changed the list of presidents since then, meaning no Bush two, Obama, or Trump. No Monica, no impeachment trial. Whoever the president was next may have gone after bin Laden or handled that differently. Therefore, no 9-11. No Bush versus Gore and hanging chads in 2000, along with all the subsequent rancor that I believe set the stage for the division today. May not have had the lending regulations established in the late 90s that led to the housing crash, which unquestionably did. No bill means no Hillary. No Obamacare. Again, it's an exercise in imagination, but it's kind of fun to do. Yeah, and those are all things that are positives from that point, person's point of view, I believe. Right. You, you don't know the list of negatives. You know that- what? Yeah, Aaron goes on to say, I have no idea what would have happened. I readily admit could have been a lot worse. Maybe we'd be in the middle of World War III right now. Or maybe we would have 30 gold medals at this year's Olympics <laughs> because the U.S. would be so awesome. I have no idea, but the point is Perot joining that race could well have been a major pivotal moment in history. You know, it's funny. Oh, I'm it's, reminded, it's unquestionably is. Right. I'm reminded of his appeal at the time, which was remarkably Trumpian. Very trump Common sense, plain-talking businessman. Something different. Who turned out to be crazy. Yeah. Something completely different. Yeah. This isn't working. I want something different. Yeah. If he had been not crazy, he could have won. Yeah, but it's very easy to go back in those changes of history and think a bunch of bad things would have been avoided. You never know. It's impossible to know. It'd be very easy not to have that slice of pie you ate, too. But you did that, didn't Mm -hmm. you? So sometimes the easy thing isn't the right one. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.